the best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. How, how would you argue if Johnny Sexton was to go and win a World Cup with Ireland and lead them to it that he wouldn't be the greatest? Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. This is, a, this is far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. Can I also say one more thing on this week? But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. That's just refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. That's fester. (laughs) (laughs) See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, you know what? I'd actually debate that with you. (laughs) It is an interesting... Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but... uh, (laughs) Let's make that clear. (laughs) I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score. You're welcome along. It's a slight tangent. Joe Malloy here. We have Arthur O'Dea to my left. We have Michael McCarthy to my left. And in a surprise turn of events, we have Ronan Mullen to my right. You may have seen, eagle-eyed viewers may have seen Ronan had his going away piece on Friday. And yet here he is, what, less than 48 hours shamelessly swanning back in. So uh, to, uh, you know, uh, just explain, we have said to Ronan, we'll still beg him to come back on the odd occasion from the hard shoulder where he's now doing great things and uh, to appear on the occasional A Slight Tangent. Although interestingly, excitingly, we're going to have some guest appearances from various uh, people in that chair. Top of my list, if we can convince him to do it, will be Kenny Cunningham at some stage. But uh, the uh, ethos of A Slight Tangent will continue. But Ronan, welcome back to Off The Ball. (laughs) I still hold veto on whoever sits here. So it's kind of like when Gary Neville stepped away from Monday Night Football and it has to be a certain calibre of guests to come out and sit here. You're a wrestling fan, yeah? Well, vaguely. Do you remember years ago when uh, Mick Foley retired and there was a... Whole <laughs> he big, came back. There was a whole big thing of like, I'll, I won't be one of those guys who comes back in six weeks and then they, they behind the scenes, convinced them to come back for one more match to the WrestleMania main event. And they came back and Foley was like, I said I wouldn't be back in six weeks, so I came back in four. <laughs> <laughs> you say Mick Foley, I say Michael Jordan. So like in the last dance where... He releases that press release. He's like, just two words, I'm back. Yeah. So something to that effect. But OK, well, you're welcome back. It's good to be back. You were badly missed. In, in the last 48 hours. <laughs> yeah, when you say I'm going away, I can literally see my desk from here. It's like a, a Seamus I'll, Coleman. We'll probably see you more now because you won't be working remotely at all. You're just in the office all the time. All the time. Yeah. How you find the hard shoulder so far? Be honest. <laughs> Again, only day two, Joe. It's not, a, not a huge frame of be reference. Honest. Be I honest. He's a slave driver, isn't he? What was that about him? Yeah, watch out for Cudahy. That's, that's the word around the office in general, I think. Not even joking. So, <laughs> okay, uh, no, joke. I am, of course. I am, of course. He, he is joking. A slight tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am joking. A slight tangent at offtheball.com is the uh, newly set up email address. So we've had a few early nibbles at the old email account before we get to some of our uh, talking points. This, by the way, we various people are on holiday, so it's kind of uh, it took a, a break. And Mick said last night, if this doesn't happen tomorrow, I fear it will be gone forever. So we said, yeah. right, let's try and uh, put some uh, life back into it this evening. Hence, here we are. Uh, so we've got a few things to talk about. This slot is effectively where uh, Team OTB... And Ronan, uh, generally just uh, <laughs> chew the fat about whatever is kind of catching our fancy. <laughs> yeah, so just an hour of the uh, however many hours we do across the schedule where we just uh, talk about nothing too in depth or too serious, or or uh, who knows, we may get there. So some of the emails in, I thought Tony asked a good question. I mentioned it at the top of the show to you, lads. 
and uh, maybe um, you three probably increasingly have a feel for this more than me. What is the most common excuse people give for not coming on off the ball? Wonders Tony. Does anyone say no to you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> or it just blanks me. Yeah. I would say the most common is a blank. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, uh, with the double blue tick. It's a real slap in the face. It's worse than nothing. <laughs> it's worse it's worse than giving like, some excuse. It's worse than abuse. Like I'd rather someone come back to me and tell that much, no way. Yeah. But just reading it. Not bothering. I would say in my experience, correct me if I'm wrong, in it depends on the sport. In GAA, we all know what the winner is. Well, there's one that comes to mind, uh, an All-Ireland winner in the last decade, I'll keep it vague. Go on. Said something like, we were like, do you want to come on the show tonight? Shout about winning. And they were like, I neither want to nor care about coming on. Oh, really? And I was like, all right. <laughs> Succinctly put, but harsh. Ooh. Harsh. Yeah. I, 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 do, I, I, do I know who that is? Well, it's a very high profile player, but... Uh, you do, yeah. Hey, wow. Uh, I would say, the, I was going to say the most common refrain we get in GAA is, I'm just keeping the head down at the moment. Yeah. Just keeping the head down. That's the GEA response. We got one this year, actually, from a player who was, uh, we thought, had an interesting story outside of the current season. And he was like, yeah, I'd like to, I'll just ask the boss man. I don't okay. know if boss man was the exact word. Was boss man. Boss man. I wasn't no, boss no, man. No, no, no. This is GEA now. So I'll just ask the, the, this is the main man or the boss man or something. And then uh, next day, predictably, he said, no chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! When, when, I'll talk to you in the off season. When they say I'm going to check, you know, with someone else, that's the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever chance you have of getting them directly, it's better to ask for what's the phrase? Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In the GA circles, yeah. To, give, to give a genuine answer Go to on. the question, it yeah. is too busy. Too busy. You know, especially for people that we know and that would come on regularly and that like will do it if they can. And that is the look. To be honest, let's be fair and nice. The vast majority of people that we speak to the odd time will will try and help us out when they can and they enjoy doing the show. Yeah. But from time to time, just have too much on or can't do it tonight. Uh, GA people, especially retired GA people who we use as pundits, uh, tend to be involved in training an awful lot. Yeah. We almost know what yeah. nights not to go after certain That's guys because there's club training, be it as a mentor, selector, coach, or still player in a lot of in a lot of uh, yeah. situations. And people have training an awful lot. I would say kids to bed. Increasingly, kids to bed. Very yeah. normal. Uh, yeah. Reasons, people, yeah, people in their late thirties, early forties, are very, very rarely available between the hours of seven and about eight thirty, nine o'clock. Busy times. It's probably not our story to tell. High-profile chess player had the all-time greatest response. <laughs> yeah, it isn't our story to tell. No, it's in a, a previous right, okay, uh, move on. iteration. But yeah, no, it was. Uh, look, I mean, it's a well-told story. But uh, Gary Kasparov <laughs> asked for. Uh, was asked for an interview um, by Simon Hick back in the day and he uh, a very nice response came to say oh no problem he will require there was a list of a few things I don't remember them all but uh, it definitely included $10,000 and a comfortable chair yeah it was a Mariah Carey style writer he was asking for but But it was very much a oh yeah this is an interesting request no problem yeah and I think I think the reply went back was like (laughs) we can give you 40 euros (laughs) a comfortable chair no, there's no comfortable chair. We'll do it over the phone. <laughs> you can sit in your own comfortable chair, Gary. Graham and touch, lads. Spare me the hypocrisy of all these golfers. A win for the good guys was how Shane Larry put it after Wentworth. Don't get me wrong. I'm no admirer of Sergio or Patrick Reed. The point is, if Rory and pals were all against live on ethical sports washing Saudi Arabian human rights grounds, I would have the utmost respect. However, none of them talk about that. None of them mention Khashoggi or LGBTQ rights. The biggest objection half of them seem to have 
is that the tournaments are only 54 holes. They're all mercenaries. Spare the good guy's stuff. Agree, says Graham. I think in the vast majority of cases, Graham, that's probably very true. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's a bit cut and dry, that one. A bit cut and dry. Mm. Yeah. Um, a few exceptions. <laughs> There's other things for them to have issues with that doesn't necessarily have to be about the human rights element. I think that Shane Lowry actually spoke pretty well about the disruptive element of the kind of yeah. players coming back to the PGA at Wentworth at the weekend and them possibly doing it for the wrong reasons and possibly looking to make a little bit of noise and a little bit of uh, disruption again as Lowry said I can understand where he's coming from on that you know if you've made this big deal to break away uh, yet you're being insisted on being part of, uh, of of what was there before yeah. and you're making a lot of noise to do it and you're stopping other people having games. I, I'd say they'd have an issue with it. Whether we as a general public are as worried about that sort of thing, I would say is less yeah. obvious. You know? And I guess they're allowed to care about the fabric of the game, which is genuinely under threat now and there'll be no feeder tours and the whole thing is going to uh, cause a lot of issues down the line. So they're, they're allowed of those reasons as well. Um, there's a tennis email from Ian just on the back of the Alcaraz piece we did last night, uh, he was saying like lots of people, big tennis fan, 90s, was very much along for the ride, in particular with the big three, then he has in brackets, and Andy Murray, and Serena doing her thing. Enjoyed the piece on Carlos Alcaraz last night with Caitlin Thompson, who did say, by the way, this guy's good enough to walk in the shoes of the big three. But he says, have to say, can't get on board with any of the emerging players. I will keep an eye on Alcaraz, but nobody... Male or female has caught the imagination for me yet, reckons Ian. I think that's uh, common enough. Yeah, <clears throat> it's just hard to buy into anybody's credentials yet, isn't it? Because we had Luke Jensen on, ebullient after Raducanu's win, like her seamless win in that, yeah. in that major. And then to say, her, to say her form hasn't continued in that yeah. vein, that he had kind of pegged it for. I'm not saying Luke was alone in that by any means, but he was beaming at like the, the, star, the next star is born type uh, vibes. And she may well still be, but... Osaka. The last Coco year hasn't Goff. that out. Yeah. Oh, Coco Goff could still come, I think. Yeah, but you're still waiting on her yeah. and it might not happen. It might. But, this, um, but Sorry, I was just going to think, is this a case that the, the dynamic is broken, though? So if you take those big three, plus Murray, plus Williams, there's the guts of about 100 majors, or 100 slams there. Yeah. A little bit under, you know? So there's eight a year. Not bad men and women over you know what I mean so I mean are, are we just kind of someone like Osaka has four and it kind of seems like oh, she's not living up to her potential it's like like McEnroe has seven and he's seen as this you know she's yeah. she well get that I, I just wonder kind of is it a case that we're not as interested because no one's as dominant hmm. and we are accustomed I suppose to dominance now if, if you're really great you're going to absolutely dominate which probably isn't yeah an accurate reflection do you think those individual sports benefit from superstars that's true and I mean, rivalries Osaka's huge Osaka's I'm pretty sure the biggest earning female sports person in the year last year yeah but she's not doing it on the court at all but she's well, a superstar but yeah uh, McEnroe's superstardom comes from as much as talent and seven grand slams is great but it's not what we've been talking about it's not Nadal Djokovic Federer style but his rivalry with Bjorn Borg yeah. his rivalry with Jimmy Connors etc and his personality is what made like Nick Kyrgios could be that big if he also was winning mm. them and had and, and, and had uh, had rivalries and, and was winning grand slams you know but that isn't the case I also there's, there's another question though lads is like it is 10 it's a conversation I think we had a few weeks ago 
Sounds right. Sports aren't <laughs> going to break through in the way they have in the past. So when like this generation is gone and we were still in an element, a lot of people were growing up watching Roger Federer, watching uh, Rafa Nadal, watching Serena Williams, maybe to a lesser extent Djokovic. Um, and now tennis isn't breaking through in the way it was. And that's going to be very hard to get back. And it's because, we talked about it before, it was like, if I just wanted to watch football, I could have 24 hours a day new content all the time. Mm. If I was, you know, and I don't, there isn't that calendar of, right, I'm watching tennis now, or I'm watching golf, or I'm watching Formula One, whatever it is. I don't know, like that there's almost the times a year where it's like the amount of people who are kind of watching every sport and know a little bit about it all is lessening, I think, for the growth of somebody who knows an awful lot about yeah, one thing. probably right. Like, I do remember growing up weirdly, really liking Todd Martin, the tennis player. Oh, yeah. That wouldn't happen. Ray right before his time, poor old Todd, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, yeah. yeah. Distinguished, I would have <laughs> yeah. said. Yeah. And Lindsay Davenport, you know, yeah. these again are not yeah. players I think you'd... Uh, big, big fan of the Americans, were you? Grab hold of. Yeah, I was, actually. Coming over to Wimbledon. They always respected the old sod, didn't they? No, they did. Uh, to your, sorry, Arthur, I do agree. I undercut your, to undercut my point, though, are you, on Osaka, I just said, well, she's not doing it on the court. Although, to be fair, I'd be more inclined to watch an Osaka match than yeah. any of the other players maybe yeah, in the top yeah. 10 at the moment. So there you go. Mo Salas just scored for Liverpool on 19 minutes. So it is 1-0 to Liverpool against Ajax. Uh, we'll press on. So uh, something which caught our eye, I'm, I'm curious to throw this out of the group and see what you think. Uh, reading here from uh, the London Times. So in rugby, uh, unions are going to be allowed to make an individual decision for the autumn tests on whether to put names on backs of uh, rugby jerseys. And this could be in the Six Nations next year if all six unions give it the thumbs up. So what the report says, England's test shirts could be adorned with player names for the first time this autumn in a bid to promote the stars of the game to a wider audience. The idea has been raised over recent months at meetings between the Six Nations unions uh, with those in favour keen to market players better. It's believed the English Union is the most engaged with the plan. Two of the other Six Nations are interested and uh, the RFU is considering printing names on test shirts this November in the Autumn Nations series. The piece goes on to say, some argue that, particularly at international level, no player should, quote, own a shirt and that printing a name on the back would contradict rugby's traditions and that no individual should be placed above the team. Though I would think if every individual has a name on their shirt, they're not being placed above the team. It's not like just <laughs> Owen Farrell gets a name on his jersey. I'll push on. Farrell though. and Itoji and nobody else. <laughs> yeah. uh, the piece says, Itoji 4, Smith 10, Farrell 12 would particularly appeal to the younger generation. And uh, world rugby regulations at the moment state that starters must be numbered 1 to 15, substitutes must be uh, 16 to 23. And uh, well, one of the concerns raised as well is this all gets very messy. Like they use Tom Curry as an example for England. So Curry has worn the number seven shirt 22 times, number six 12 times, and the number eight jersey seven times. So that's uh, the London Times. What are our thoughts on uh, this? Rugby's values, Arthur? <laughs> <laughs> like no, like the right man answer that question. <laughs> like, <laughs> like sorry, speak to rugby's values here. I, speak from your heart, Arthur. I I don't like that type of thing about oh nobody owns a jersey. You're just like they're not they're, like it's a very uh, ephemeral kind of idea. Like it's just it's not like it's a piece of cloth, and someone who does oh. get it will own it. They will take that home with them. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they probably get to keep them. They literally own that jersey. Like, like it's, it's just kind of it's 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 it, it, it not like I'll, I'm kind of too way on it because I don't think it should follow the way most other sports have gone or say the way football's gone just because football's gone that way 
but like it's just a to kind of tie it up as opposed to it's a, it's a cash grab I suppose ultimately that's it's there to make money and I, I think to kind of go like it, it, if the argument against it happening is just the case of values against the money that might be made of it I don't see the values holding up the values argument is an odd one so would you see it working whereby players aren't given names on jerseys for a season or even for like based on the world rugby uh, rules you couldn't even have a world cup jersey with your name on it it would have yeah. to be each new game is a new set of jerseys with a new name 1 to 15 with the correct jersey like you can't have Owen Farrell for instance playing the first game of the world cup with number 12 on his jersey and then Smith gets injured and Farrell yeah. spends the rest of the world cup playing at 10 in a 12 jersey I think that's the plan for November anyway is it for England yeah like is they're it? going to play 1 to 15 it's, it's 1 to 23 each game so it's like oh sorry each game so it does yeah. change each game so I'm pretty sure what the that's what the England football team do at the moment so while Ireland play with squad numbers or whatever and most other countries do um, England play 1 to 11 in every game but have the names on the jerseys well, but I, it's I quite like that I have to say I think that's a really yeah, good I balance for international level like I think at club level it's different yeah, I think there's absolutely no reason to not have names on the jerseys. I think any worries about that, I think are I kind of agree with Arthur. I don't I don't see any problem with it. I would have a problem with it evolving into squad numbers though. Okay. For rugby. I think that I think again and I just I really hate the homogenization almost of sport, of it all everything having to be like the other sports. Yeah. You know, and football has done this thing, which is fine. Numbers don't matter in football. Numbers are more important now that they don't exist anymore than they ever were when teams wore one to eleven all the time. You know, people talk in numbers now that haven't existed in thirty years, and when they did, <laughs> people played like Liverpool always played with completely random numbers. Like number five was in midfield for Liverpool, holding midfielder was number eleven. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. There's other things as well. There is increasingly like so much talk of a six and an eight uh, midfielder yeah. in football. Like, <laughs> it to be never fair, existed. A number nine, I think, is a thing, and yes. a number ten is kind of a thing. But this six and eight business is about five years old. But I've started saying it now as well. And I keep, know. Keep like you know uh, 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 calling myself out on air because you slip into you hear it so much oh, it becomes part of the culture. I'm on air know? talking about is that number eight good in transitions and want to like <laughs> retire? That double pivot leaves a lot to be desired. Oh my god! But rugby doesn't need like so. So it's weird that that's become a thing in football because ultimately. It never was, and squad numbers have been there for 30 years, and it's fine. It doesn't matter, and look, people will always want the number 10, they'll always want the number 9, they'll always want a 7, etc. But when it comes to rugby, I think it's important. I think the, the 1 to 23, now the subs do change from time to time, and that's natural, they've obviously changed the amount of subs, but the 1 to 15, let's say, mm. I think is in some way sacrosanct I don't, I don't care about rugby values but it explains the game why are you laughing because, sacrosanct because the game is played to, to the sport to the I, sport I agree with the game. Them. the game That's is right. played That's... in a very set formation and players have like positions that are far more important than they are in either Gaelic game <laughs> what are you laughing what are you I'm, laughing? I'm laughing at Arthur's laugh alright oh, okay <laughs> Would you, like, there's literally a position in rugby called number 8 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you can't have a lad play number 42 for the whole season <laughs> why ah uh, you can't well, like you're talking about sixes and eights in football and number tens and false nines, and yeah, he'd still be called number eight, but you know, yeah, it's like, be fine. It happens. Somebody comes on off the bench and goes to number eight. We don't get confused. I know. We still call them number I eight. I, I just do think that having a one to fifteen is 
an important layout of how it, of, I agree of, with you. Of the team but I, w- I, I, do, I, I, I love the idea of names on the backs of jerseys. Why do you love it? I mean, it's better. Like it's quicker to identify players. Yeah. I think it's this is not the right word. I think it's cooler. Like I think there is a bit more marketing about it because, like for in a host of positions, it won't be in any way iconic. But in a bunch like Atoje four O'Driscoll thirteen. You know, pick like, pick the handful of players, the stars of the game. Suddenly, their numbers will become a bit synonymous with them, and I don't think that's a bad thing, actually. I think Marcus Smith already has like um, merchandise with that squad number, anyway. So right. It's like it's, it'd be, it wouldn't exactly be a preemptive move to make it. And I know Wales did it before. I don't know if you said that already, Joe, but no. Like in the in the past, had names on their jerseys, and if you want to use the get a games parallel again when the international rules team play it's obviously alphabetical and numbered accordingly and they had names in their jerseys on a couple of instances so even in sports where it's not common it's not beyond the bounds either I don't think and why should rugby forego like a very like concrete marketing strategy just for the sake of romance like I don't see why they should have to do that Mm. I wonder how much money it'll make them though because especially in the club game and I don't know about the international game like a lot of the jersey is taken up by sponsors at the moment in a way more so than almost any other sport yeah. and uh, what what sponsor gets sacrificed for Maro Toji's name mm. um, for Saracens I suppose not for England it's not an issue at the moment yeah, yeah. I, and do you not think Arthur you'd sort of lose something if oh an amazing uh, goal by uh, kudos for Ajax 27 minutes on the clock so it's Headline one all at Anfield Joe. yes Headline indeed I know I was thinking could that really be his name and it is of mm. course so it's an amazing left footed goal I think it's either upright or underside of the crossbar I think it's underside of the crossbar from distance and uh, it's one all at Anfield between Liverpool and Ajax 27 minutes on the clock what was I going to say oh yeah sorry I get your eye rolling when rugby talks about its values and uh, words <laughs> like sacrosanct but do you think uh <laughs> I was mixed word to be fair. Indeed, indeed. You, 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 you scoffed. You that scoffed. You scoffed. What the context of what but I was saying? The question I was going to ask you: Do you not think rugby would lose a little bit of something as we see that bullet of a goal again, and everybody looks? Uh, it's a mm. one all at Anfield. Do you not think rugby Richard would lose? Van Dijk is making a habit of standing off. Is uh, he? Uh, he loves the hands uh, behind the back. The box, stand yeah. off these days. He's getting a great view of some of these goals. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Sorry, yeah. God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Virgil Van Dijk. I presume. Arthur, though, whatever about words like sacrosanct, you you wouldn't like rugby to go down a route whereby uh, players get squad numbers and you have like number 33 playing in the scrum and number 18 playing in the scrum and starting games in those numbers <laughs> with their names. Or would you say, screw it, let's go, go whole hog? I think, you, like, yeah, I find it funny, like you'd say, you wouldn't like, I, I, I wouldn't mind one way or another. I don't think it makes any difference. Like, what Do difference you not think it, it does? No, like but like the look fabric at, of it. But like, look at like a sport like basketball. Like what, American football, like what difference does it make? They've always been that way, though. Why should yeah. rugby suddenly tear up? I'm sure up what at some had? point basketball started out one to five. You're saying this though. American football has actually very specific rules that are different for professional and college for what the numbers are, and they changed them last year. And it's baffling to watch a game. Now. You don't even realise how much you knew. You you weren't paying attention. I don't know the rules, but suddenly I see guys in like in defence now wearing single digits. Like, because that wasn't allowed before. And it's so confusing. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like, numbers actually do matter. You become accustomed to them and where people play. Now, I'm going off on a slight tangent. Long, there, long, long story short. Say tangent. <laughs> I put in slight because it's the name uh, of the Long story short, and I don't think it would matter. I don't think people would, I don't think it would matter too much at all. You would miss that. 
No, but like I, I'm not sure what. Because I don't, I don't really like in football the numbers thing. Really? Like, yeah, I don't. But like, uh, I hate seeing like number seventy-seven and stuff. Why? What? Like, I just what? I think it's silly. Okay, well, I mean, that's <laughs> like, I mean, that's fine. Like I mean, one to eleven. I think it's silly as well. I think like. What what like say if you're Silly. Trent Alexander Arnold and you've come through <laughs> as six? Not my best argument. Because you were a kid and that was the number you had. Yeah. Do you think he's entitled to keep that or sort when, of? Like, yeah. At the same time though, when Klein left Liverpool and two became open, Alexander Arnold should have taken two. I think he should have. Yeah. That's a good. That's great marketing from him though. Like it, the logo looks good. The eight eight six six. Yeah. So I think. I think someone above him probably told him, yeah, that story's cute and all, but I think that's a good idea. See, there's, there's certain players I'd have a bit of flexibility with and he falls into that bracket. But like yeah. if the Brighton right back is that crack, I'd say, no, just wear number two. Yeah, or 41s and things like that, that yeah. kind of, you know, that people stick with. You know, I understand when you come through Foden. with it. Foden's 40-something, isn't he? Yeah, 47, yeah. I think, yeah. Stick him in a 10 Ugly number. 47's an oh, ugly geez. number. It's an, it, I agree, it's an ugly number. Like <laughs> do, you not, do you not think? No. What uh, difference does it make? It, like, well, it, it, I suppose it doesn't make a difference, but it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't work. I don't think it works. Number 47, Phil these Foden. Are, these are far more important matters than you let on, Arthur. I don't know. I just, yeah, I just... <laughs> Where are you in this? I'm room? shocked, Arthur, by your position. <laughs> 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 Where are you on this? You're sitting quiet over there. No, I'm not. I think um, he's not allowed to have opinions anymore. I think the numbers. I'm actually. We'll go over to the hard shoulder. Intrigued by the the history of the squad number actually in football in particular. Like it would be a quirky little pastime of mine. Like I would actually remember a lot of those numbers of the, the odd ones. It's around in the crappy quiz at the moment. It is. <laughs> The one See, time I had to answer a question on that, I got it right. It was the Les Ferdinand. What number did he switch from? Here we go, Joe. What number did Les Ferdinand switch from at Newcastle when Alan Shearer signed? Oh, Alan Shearer took his number. Well, nine. obviously from nine yeah. to what was Ferdinand? Eighteen. Ooh, you're close. It's ten. Close, but way off. Oh, that's okay. I, that's, that's a good switch. There was a rumour he was going to go 99 at the time, which would have been the first time anybody had gone absolutely mad. And I think. Kenny Dalglish or whoever it was said don't be so stupid I know Sherry <laughs> I know Sherry anyone who pitched up at United said well I'm getting 10 yeah and took it off Beckham or oh, is yeah. it not that Beckham went to 7 I presume Beckham went to 7 yeah well no then 7 opened up and he jumped oh, at 7 and, yeah, yeah. Is it, was it Zamorano yes when uh, <laughs> Eight plus Ronaldo one. went to enter yeah I think so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. See, tremendous uh, Tremendous, but <laughs> as a rule, you deflected there wonderfully. I still don't know what you think. No, no from my point, like I love the the squad numbers in football. I'm very interested in it, so I have no problem with the foregoing the one to eleven. Whenever did that was that eighties, nineties? Yeah. But, um, I have no particular. You don't mind it. In it terms of from the rugby point of view, I think um, if the only thing holding it back is are those values, I think they could po possibly move beyond that. I used to love in Football Manager when it came to time of the season oh. to name your squad numbers. Oh. That was a great I'd part. I'd spend about game. 30 minutes picking my squad numbers. Yeah. Oh I my love God. it. Love it. I was Arsenal one time when Dennis Barkamp retired. I tried to retire to number 10. Just said no more number 10s on my squad. There's a great Twitter account. I think it's just at squad numbers that takes like, takes exception when someone gets numbered like way out of odds. So like William Gallas got the number 10 at Arsenal. I don't agree with that. Even you, Arthur. I don't agree there with you that. Go. But you can't. You can't. You can't just have like. You no, can't you're have gonna have certain. There's, there's certain that, things that is beyond the pale. That is. That's and Dempsey number two. That's I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, we have to take an ad break, but we'll return in just one moment. Still, uh, one all at Anfield, Liverpool against Ajax. This is Joe Malloy and Arthur O'Dea and Mick McCarthy and Ronan Mullen on a slight tangent. We have more tangents to embark on in just a moment.
Now you're welcome back. This is a slight tangent making a heroic return after several weeks off the air given uh, holidays and various issues. It's Joe Malloy here. We have Arthur O'Dea, Mick McCarthy and uh, two days, two working days after he left off the ball and had to send off Ronan Mullen. I call it Ronan O'Mullen there, sorry. Ronan Mullen is back in the studio making a rare appearance, semi-regular appearance. Let's not make it seem like I just barged in here. I was invited. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't just walk into the studio. I hear a slight tangent's on, he said. It's nice to be back. Indeed. Uh, So uh, on the names and jerseys uh, business, just before we uh, sign off on this, I mean, it's a classic, a slight tangent topic in that it's utterly unimportant and yet very strong views being expressed. Phil says uh, names on jerseys purely about money. Well, yeah, like that's that was literally Phil. We read that. That's that's exactly what it is. Um, he says, "Is anyone telling me that we wouldn't recognise any of the top Irish players if they didn't have names in the backs of their jerseys?" It is total BS. No, you mightn't. Rec- you'd recognise all the Irish players. You mightn't recognise other teams they're playing against. And yeah, it, it is about money and marketing mm. and adding something to the sport. Uh, Tom Brady. TB12. Yeah. Yeah. So that's his that's his brand, his TB12. Yeah. Sorry, of course. Given mm. up by Chris Godwin when he joined the books. Like, you know, you Do you have to buy him a car or something? You gave him something nice <laughs> yeah, anyway. Certainly a big gesture there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think with certain iconic players, the number is part of their mystique. Like if you say the number 16 in football, we all think Michael Carrick. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but you know, so I think it's an interesting one for in that. terms of the birth of squad numbers, though, because <laughs> when so Keane joined United the first year of squad numbers right. and Brian Robson was probably the place he was taking on the team so therefore there wasn't the 1-11 to available yeah. and I always thought of it as this kind of like slight on Roy Keane for years it, it like obviously <laughs> eventually we got to the point where it was like oh that's Roy Keane it's an iconic number but the first like about five years at Manchester United I was like oh, I'd love to move up into the single digits <laughs> yeah, <you> yeah. <laughs> because it still mattered a lot more back then obviously but now that's not the I case I remember it was book where in the first book where he said he almost kept it uh, in a sense like I don't want to feel a part of the establishment here yeah. as in I want to stay hungry yeah, was kind of yeah so he was almost thinking the same thing Could in a way yeah, supposed yeah. to be in six uh, what do you, but just as we leave the, the numbers on jerseys thing uh, GA, would you like to see it come in in GA? Would that work? I, uh, I think that's a more transient thing. Funnily enough, that is a case of people come, people go. That it's not. I think it is too fluid for it. That it just, it wouldn't. I don't think it makes sense. I, I just don't think for if it's at county level that you have the jersey long enough to warrant it. Having your name, like you but might, you, you get a number for the year. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's kind of technically already what happens. A, li- a little bit like yeah no not really I mean it can happen if it's like with replays and things like that or I think with all the dummy teams being named and programmes being a waste of time yeah. it'd be a good thing you get to know players that way not least in hurling yeah yeah I appreciate why it would work for hurling but like put the name on the helmet or something <laughs> <laughs> why is that so funny Where you couldn't fit a name that could be read from get the surname on a stands on a helmet not on the stands but you can't read from back of a jersey from the stands probably not unless it's very bold who do you think makes we're the getting, most We're calls? getting into weird territory now. <laughs> so I think I agree that actually in any way you can market GA players more is good for the game, right? But totally, I do yeah. think you will read a lot of articles suggesting that names on the jerseys or more visible numbers are the most important thing facing us as an association and as a country because the people writing them <laughs> have a vested interest. And I don't mean that. Like I, I don't mean it in a glib way. Like, I mean, it is... I, I don't blame them, they're right. Life's, life could definitely be easier for journalists. 
but it doesn't mean it's the most important thing. And I think sometimes I think sometimes you think we it's read these things. Thing. We go, well, look, I mean, we all you've all sat in the press box. You're trying to identify how many times have you sat there going, "Jesus, who scored that, lads?" And then everyone's talking to each other because you're afraid of your life of getting, you know, the name wrong on on who scored something or if you're yeah. doing stats or whatever. It is a difficult thing. It's a very, very fast, especially hurling, very fast-moving sport, very difficult to identify when five Kilkenny forwards are all wearing the same green helmet. Yeah. And, you know, anything you can do to help, the better. But it doesn't make it uh, that important for the sport overall. No, I, I guess if you're doing it, it is generally, like, hurling, I think, a little bit, it does help with identification. But I think, ultimately, names and backs of jerseys is a marketing ploy. As we said at the very top for the English rugby motivation. It's 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 to have a Toge four and that that image and that name associated with. It. So it's like, do you want Clifford thirteen as a thing and his name on it and the number, or is it just cool enough that it's? I think it's just funny. Cool like enough. who, who gets the marketing uptick in that instance? Do you know what I mean? Like GA at large. I yeah, guess. I suppose. But when a player so outstrips, not to suggest Kerry aren't they're a decent entity in their own right. <laughs> but when Clifford like so. Eclipses like the brand almost himself these days. Like he's just so big, and you see it anytime he plays anywhere. Like I was at that game in the athletic grounds in Armagh, where Armagh were going pretty well, needless to say. But all the children ran to see David Clifford when it was over. Yeah. So he would, uh, if jersey sales were a thing and we could monitor them, he'd probably be top of the list. Like in the NFL, they released that list like once a month. Who's the best selling jersey? And it had been Brady for years, but it does. Does very so. I wonder who number two would be actually on that list. But people aren't going to buy jerseys outside their own county anyway, are they? Don't think so. Maybe Clifford might be an Clifford exception. Would be an exception. Maybe, yeah. I don't know, not in a football county, I wouldn't say. But no. the other one thing about giving up on if you put names on jerseys, then you're presuming you're selling those jerseys. Like we were just talking about here, who would be the most sold? I think you'd lose one little bit of romance about the GEA. So when you're walking down, walking over the bridge in Turles or walking down Clonliffe Road on the way to a match or on the way back. And somebody, everyone's got their jerseys on. And then every now and then you see somebody with the jersey on, but it's about six years old and it's got number 27 on the back. And you go, you play county. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine his name was on it. Imagine you got to know who it was, though. Jesus, Cunningham. If everyone has a number, you're not gonna, they're not going to stick I'll, out. I'll tell you what, I like that, though. I do like that. I like that. I wonder. I wonder yeah. who that is. I wonder what his story is. Where would <laughs> it go wrong? Because he's like my age. He's not playing. Yeah. What about the novelty numbers? Where like uh, someone clearly for their birthday is like you know Paulie C forty. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Oh, never let never let them go. So uh, a quick uh, vote: Are we putting names on jerseys? You get your number and name for the year, yeah or no? In rugby? In in GA? No. No. I don't know, but I feel less strongly about it than I do about rugby. I actually would. I would listen to arguments on this. I don't think it yeah. would be a big deal. Arthur. No, I wouldn't do in the GA. Leave it as is. Okay. Uh, let's push on red zone you wanted to discuss red zone what is red zone for uh, anybody who maybe just on the half chance is uh, not an NFL fan yeah so the NFL came back last week and a lot of people live and die their their NFL watching by red zone which is uh, Sky helpfully show on Sky Sports Mix and then in America obviously it's on one of the channels so basically at 6 o'clock when the games kick off our time uh, red zone comes live this guy uh help me out with his name Ronan Scott Hansen. Scott Hansen uh, comes on and is in a little studio and says well we've got seven games today and blah 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 and then they go to the kickoffs and suddenly you are watching basically all seven eight games at once it goes on for seven hours because there's the early games and then the the late games there are no ads yeah it is so it is literally just seven hours of uninterrupted 
football, as they call it at the start. And they hop around the game, so it's it is is constant. If they miss something, they'll give an alert. He'll show you the replay um, as they join the game live. They just go into the commentary teams. It's only Scott on his own. There's no analysts or anything like the way BT do. Maybe the Champions League coverage. Okay, and that's quite the broadcast. It's Scott on his own, and then again the commentary teams. So there's a live commentary team for each game. So they're going live. They might go for. Five minutes. And do the commentary teams? Do the commentary teams welcome Scott, or are they? Be, they're no, too busy. No, no, no. They're doing, doing their, their own thing. thing. They, we just drop He's in, bopping bop around the place to the individual broadcasts. Okay. Um, then you might have like if if there's two red zone. Red zone is the it, it, when a team is in the twenty, within the twenty meter line. But they don't obviously exclusively show that. But that will be a red zone chance. They'll try to get to it then. And uh, if there's two at the same time, they might go to the double box. If things go mad, they might go to the triple box. Okay, so what are we Start saying about the game, this? There could be an octobox. This sounds uh, um, like a surefire hit. Is this outrageously so it is popular? Brilliant! And I, I look. I mean, I think especially in Ireland, an awful lot of people watch the NFL this way. You turn, tune in. You're on top of everything. You get to see the most exciting games because obviously they stop showing the blowouts later on. And it's like on there was two games went to overtime this weekend, and there was another couple of close games. And it's like you are seeing all of the drama. It is fantastic. So I've been watching the NFL a lot, maybe six, seven years like this, and I was really excited for it to come back, and I watched a huge amount of it on Sunday night, and look, don't get me wrong, it was brilliant, but then afterwards I was thinking, I feel like I know less about the NFL since I started this all-encompassing viewing than I did when I watched two games a week and maybe caught up with the highlights of other games, Mm -hmm. because you have to remember, like, there's a narrative of a game, and there are a commentary that goes on, especially in a three-hour NFL broadcast, that bring you through an awful lot of things. You get to know the what maybe the offensive line is doing that you definitely won't know when you're watching live highlights, basically. Uh, you get to know defensive players. You get to know why a team, it, why it's not working for them or why they're so on fire today. or you know, And you lose out an awful lot on that in red zone. So, but it is hectic and it is brilliant. And when it's at its best and when it gets down to that there's a time that I would encourage everybody to watch, even if you're not that into NFL, which is at about maybe quarter to nine, maybe half eight until about quarter past nine, when the games are down to the wire and there might be four or five of them that could be at the same time down to the wire, where it is. It's television like I've never, ever experienced before. It's fantastic. Mm. But again, I'm just wondering this season, will I try to watch a few more individual games just to try and get a wider feel with even though I'm watching a lot less I'm only going to be watching one game I think sometimes I, I like for example if you were to do it in football I feel like you'd lose first of all it's a much more fluid game so it's much harder to point out when the chances are going to happen and when to be there for it but uh, I think you'd lose an awful lot of your understanding of how a game is won and how a game is lost and yeah I'm, I, I suppose I'm suddenly uh, ambiguous in how I feel about Red Zone, despite its dramatic comeback at the weekend. Have you watched it? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Never for very long, though. Well, as exhausting. A, this like the Scott Hansen element of it as a broadcasting feat, it's up there with like. Oh, he's amazing. Live Aid or you know Frost Nixon or something like that. It's incredible <laughs> that he can actually do this for that long without. I taking, thought Live Aid was an easy enough. Without taking a breath. Oh well. Oh, not in 1985. Come on, Joe. You're just handing over to. They link the up. Machine, they're linking uh, like set all these different cities. It's incredible. Oh, sorry. From a technical point of view, yeah. Yeah. But in terms anyway, of broadcasting skills. Televisually. I'm just Televisually, talking. I agree. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, I would. I tend to like. 
I would watch the um, the individual games myself now, just because the Sky coverage I think is really good, and like with the exception of. So obviously you watch these games in America, go, every time they go to an ad break, they literally go to an ad break. You know, like on the Sky coverage, they cut back to the studio and like will show highlights and analyze plays that have just happened. So I think that is quite useful and you know, it's a better, it's a more comprehensive way of watching it. But Mick's right, like there was, there was a moment the other day where I had Red Zone on and it was a triple box and three leads changed while the triple box was on. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like yeah. two field goals and a touchdown. And I was like, for certain, at certain times, it is incredible. I um, I can imagine. I I suspect if there was a football version of this, I'd be all in on it because I know all the footballers. If there was a Premier League version yeah. of this, I'd sign up and watch it all. I find when I any time I've tried to watch it because I just don't know enough of the players, it starts to just wash over me a little bit and, mm. and doesn't register with me. Whereas, you know, from my more limited vantage point, I remember, for instance, a Super Bowl five, four or five years ago where. Julian Edelman was Brady's go-to man and I remember like an hour in of absorbing just one game I thought to myself Julian Edelman's a freak yeah. you know and I, I hadn't thought too much about him and so you don't get that with red zone you just see yet another touchdown from another team and yet another player I haven't heard of and I suspect if that player doesn't score another touchdown for the next five weeks in a row I'm going to have forgotten his name yeah. by the time I sit again it's like when you start college and you sit beside someone you chat to them and then you don't sit beside them for five weeks and then you sit beside <laughs> them again and it's oh my god how are you hey. doing? Do we even talk? No, let's not bother at this stage. Uh, so that, that's been my limited experience. You won't be surprised to know it's driven a lot by fantasy football. Uh, okay. And yeah. other interests, like um, other vested sense. interests in games and how they're playing out. So um, it's not just about the love of the game. I you know? think you're very right about that in that that's what keeps the interest <laughs> in like the Giants versus whoever in the game, the two teams that have no chance of making the playoffs. But actually, it also does, it, it, in a very good way actually, keeps the it, it sort of makes its choices based on how exciting the game is rather than how big the teams are. Yeah. On in terms of what games it focuses on as as the game goes on. So like there is an element of like there's something to be said for, do you know what, like this game that doesn't look great on paper is really good. Watch it and get to know it. And you do have a kind of a wider sense of the whole NFL. Now the reason they get away with it and the reason people pay, pay attention is because they might have fancy players on Are are people watching the Champions League B T version over a Champions League game. I don't, so I don't think that's ever I wouldn't say so for the exact reason you were talking to the people generally will have some affiliation or very yeah. thing to a team. Like I imagine I, your, your Ravens, your Patriots, mm. if they were on and you could watch one over the other, I'd assume you'd watch them over the red zone. Yeah. Oh yeah, like I would find Not myself recently for the Patriots. <laughs> well, that's before. true. <laughs> yeah. It's a good double screen option. Like you watch yeah. the game you want to watch and then you just have that in the corner. I've that's the ultimate. That. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, the way yeah. to do so it, I've I think. I've done that red zone on the iPad or whatever and watched it. And like TG Carr to their credit, like as innovators on the GA sphere, like they did it with the referee a couple of weeks ago, but on the final day of the league season, they're doing a similar thing. Like oh, they're yeah, cutting yeah. from game to game and keeping you up to date on who's going up as things stand, who's going down as things stand. So other places could learn a lot from well, what could, they do. You know, it could work a dream on GA League. That's actually because Premier League, because the three o'clock kickoff now is a, a handful of games and not very good ones. Like mm -hmm. the, the possibility for it to be a Premier League thing now is gone. Yeah, there isn't enough games that aren't. They've already got those t five TV slots a week, basically. So the max you can have is five. And that's before you have the Sunday two o'clock games from European weeks and so on. So, yeah, yeah, like, I completely agree that it, there is also like I would like to see it. I would like to see it on a on a Tuesday or Wednesday night when they have Premier League 
that BT try it or something just to see kind of what it's like. It just in terms of just as an immersive experience though as well, it is it's an exhausting way to watch television. There's something to be said for ad breaks and there's something to be said for just a break in general yeah. because what you could do is you're like you're obviously not going to sit there for seven hours but you could sit there thinking I'm watching the first quarter here and I'm kind of into it and you know I'm just I'm getting warmed up then it gets exciting and it's like the amount of times I've been like bursting for the toilet just waiting for like just waiting for just pause I yeah he's a fair point actually yeah. <laughs> when are you going to catch up though there's no ad breaks we just forward through some of the chaff but I guess there's none it's more that you're just living on this is about to happen or what's yes, about to happen it's and it's just like you suddenly an hour passes like very often you're like Jesus Christ it's half eight here yeah. I've just started you know do you know your point about the ads in, for American audiences which mm. Sky Sports and the main game don't have so they cut back to like the Sky Sports yeah. studio and they do analysis It's fine. I think American audiences get screwed by their ad breaks because the golf is one of the most egregious examples there are so many golf ad breaks on American TV and so often they cut back to the Sky Sports panel mm. who then show a shot again or yeah. get some extra footage that the American TV don't have time to show but they'll cram in and say oh look at this you know this was DJ looking for his ball earlier and he had this conversation because you hear American golf podcasts complain all the time about how awful the TV coverage is because they take ads all the time but you're like there's a two minute warning in NFL for presumably no other reason than let's <laughs> shoot another ad break in here just like when things when the fans right. in the fire okay you well, they have a set amount of ad breaks that the, in the NFL that they take per half and some of them are at set times like two minute warnings and some of them are at random timeouts and some of them and if they haven't used all the timeouts or whatever they will just stop the game do that ads in. No, it's like they won't stop the clock. It'll TV like timeout. Out of bounds or something like that, and it'll be just like, right, sudden we go to a break. There's no ex explanation for it whatsoever. Like they have a set amount of breaks that they get to take in, in, in And sometimes they use them all early, and it's like, Jesus, I've been watching this game for ages, and they haven't gone to a break yet. What's going on? There at that, and we can't put a name on a jersey, for no. God's sake. <laughs> Grow up. We're out of time. So, Arthur O'Dea, Mick McCarthy, thank you. Another episode of A Slight Tangent. Ronan Mullen. Welcome back. Thanks, lads. And also, farewell again until... When do you want to... Do you want to pick a date for your next A Slight Tangent no. appearance? As I said, I'm always there. Okay. <laughs> about 15, <laughs> 15 metres away. Okay. Uh, still won all half time at Anfield. Uh, short break. We'll try and do A Slight Tangent again next week. <laughs>